Hi, I'm Dr. Avanti Kumar Singh. In over 20 years of practicing both Western medicine and Eastern healing traditions, the most important thing that I've learned is that healing is a journey we take together. So on this podcast, I'll be demystifying Ayurveda and other integrated medicine, showing how these simple ancient practices are the keys to unlocking a healthy modern life. We are all healing catalysts because healing starts within. It starts with you and it starts right now. This is a Soulfire production. Episode number 96. Hello, my beautiful friends, and welcome to September. I hope you're all well and that you've had a wonderful summer. It is so great to be back here on the podcast. It's been a minute since I've been here with you. I spent the summer deep on my healing journey with breast cancer. I finished up chemotherapy in June and then had a bilateral mastectomy at the end of July. And then I spent the first part of August recovering and started radiation last week, the last phase of my treatment. And so here we are in September. It really flew by fast. And as many of you know, a new month means a new intention on the podcast. And this month we're talking about food and our health. You know, diet is one of the foundational tools for remedy and healing in Ayurveda. So today we're republishing one of our most popular episodes on the healing power of food to discuss what I call the principle of Ayurvedic eating, which says that what you eat matters, but where, why, when, and how much matters more. If you're new to the podcast or you haven't heard this episode before, or actually even if you have heard the episode, make sure you listen again or listen for the first time because this perspective on food has the power to transform your health. I'm so happy to share with you again this solo episode about the principle of Ayurvedic eating as we explore food and our health. Today, we're going to be talking about the importance of diet in Ayurveda and what I call the principle of Ayurvedic eating. So I want to start with this idea that food is medicine. I know a lot of you have heard this probably by now, especially if you're listening to this podcast. You know, it's a concept that's really gained a lot of traction in the medical world among my peers and colleagues over the last 10 years or so. And it's a really powerful concept a very powerful movement. And it's a concept that had its origin in Ayurveda. There's an Ayurvedic proverb that says, when diet is wrong, medicine is of no use. And when diet is correct, medicine is of no need. Now think about that statement. It's really powerful, really simple, and really brilliant, right? The idea is that if you have a proper diet that is in harmony with nature, you'll never need medicine. And on the other hand, if you don't have a proper diet, if you're not in harmony with nature, medicine really won't help you. It's a profound statement to think about. And it's really this idea that food is medicine. As I've discussed in previous episodes, the essence of Ayurveda is that when we live in harmony with nature, we will have optimal health and a vibrant life. And the three main ways that we can live in harmony with nature is in what I call the optimizing health pyramid. It's a framework that I teach, which has three main remedies in Ayurveda, routines, diet, and the tools of yoga. Now, the diet is how we can stay in harmony with nature by accessing the bounty of nature. 
It's how we connect the microcosm to the macrocosm. Because if we're eating the food, the food pharmacy and the spice medicine cabinet that nature provides, we're actually connecting ourselves to nature. And the microcosm gets connected to the macrocosm. Therefore, we're in harmony with nature using our diet. Now, before we get into the specifics of what I call the principle of Ayurvedic eating, there's one thing that we should go over, and that's the difference between the Western perspective of nutrition and food versus the Ayurvedic perspective of nutrition and food. There's a major difference that is a really important perspective shift that we need to have. In Western nutrition, food is measured in a very quantitative way. We think about calories, we think about fat, carbohydrates, protein, minerals, vitamins. These are all numeric measurements of the composition of food, the chemistry or the biochemistry of food. That's the Western perspective of nutrition. The Ayurvedic perspective of nutrition is actually qualitative. It's a very, very different way to think about it. It's about how we interact with food, how we experience food. It's about qualities, the way that food feels, the way that food tastes and the way that food acts. So let me give you an example to sort of get this point across. How many times have you really wanted something that was kind of sweet, right? So you say, I feel like having something sweet. You don't say, I think I want something with 10 grams of sugar and a little bit of fat in it, right? That doesn't really happen. You see the difference. You say that you want to have something sweet. We talk about what we feel like having based on the experience of the food not based on the composition of the food, something that tastes sweet. That's an experience of the food. It's a quality of the food versus saying, I want 10 grams of sugar and some fat, right? That's the measurement, the quantitative. Let me give you another example. Let's say you've just had a big meal with your family and you say, oh, my stomach feels really heavy. It feels heavy. It feels like there's heavy food in there, right? Again, it's a qualitative sort of feeling experience of food. You're not saying, oh my gosh, I had so many grams of carbohydrates and proteins and fats. That's not how we really talk about food, right? So in Ayurveda, it's very much about our experience with food, how we feel. That's really the big difference between the Western versus the Ayurvedic perspective. And again, it's probably a shift of perspective for you. But it's really important to talk about because it's the basis of the principle of Ayurvedic eating. So what exactly is the principle of Ayurvedic eating? The principle of Ayurvedic eating says this, it's that what you eat matters. It really does. But why, where, when, and how much matters so much more. Let me say that again. What you eat matters, but why, where, when, and how much matters much more. Let's break this down and talk about each of these factors one by one to translate this into Ayurveda for everyone. So let's start with the why. In Ayurveda, the why we eat is really the most important factor in our relationship to food because it really determines how the food is received by our system. It's the idea that when we begin to see food as something that is healing, that is something that is nourishing, that is something that is medicine, it changes how our body, our mind, and our spirit, how our entire system actually receives the food. It makes this shift from consumption to nourishment and healing. So when you really think about food as medicine, you need to think about why am I eating this food? Why am I eating it? And shift how you're thinking about it. If you're always thinking, I'm eating this food because I want to lose weight or I want to clear this or I want to do that, 
It's a very consumption sort of perspective of worrying about the biochemistry of the food. Instead, if you can shift your perspective into the idea that food is healing, that it's nourishing, and that it is medicine, it changes everything. So why we eat food, our relationship to the food is the most important thing to first think about. Now, the second factor to think about in the principle of Ayurvedic eating is where, where we're eating. This is really, really important. In Ayurveda, we say that you really should sit down at a table and sit down for 30 minutes to have a meal. That means we're not walking, we're not talking, we're not driving, we're not looking at a computer or looking at a phone or reading a book. We're just eating. Now, all of us have done this where we're eating and doing something else. I'm just as guilty as everybody. But it's really about making the act of eating, of having a meal, the central focus. It's about having an experience by sitting down at a table. Now, another point here is really that we start eating with our eyes. So eating is also an act that includes all five senses. So again, set the table, sit down, maybe have a nice napkin, a placemat, some flowers, a candle, create an environment that's really soothing and pleasurable to all five of your senses. Again, it changes how your body will receive the food. So it's really important that all of your five senses are actually really involved in the act of eating. And remember that you start eating with your eyes. Okay, so the third and fourth factors of when and how much in the principle of Ayurvedic eating are actually linked. And the easiest way to really think about this is to think about following the path of the sun through the sky. This is because our digestion or our digestive fire or agni follows the path of the sky. In the morning, when the sun is low in the sky, our digestive fire is also low. Now, as the sun starts to rise and gets to the midpoint of the day, it's at the highest point in the sky. It's its hottest and brightest, right? That's also the time that our digestive fire is its hottest and strongest. So that means that our breakfast should be light and easy to digest because our digestive fire isn't too strong. But our lunch can be the largest and most difficult to digest meal of the day because our digestion is quite strong in the middle of the day. That's when we want to eat our largest and most difficult to digest meal. Now, as we follow the path of the sun, as the sun goes from the midpoint and starts to set in the evening, it gets less hot, right? The intensity of the sun starts to decrease. In the same way, our digestive fire gets weaker as the day goes on. So for that reason, we want to make sure that our dinner is light and easy to digest. So again, to review, breakfast and dinner, because our digestive fire is really weak, just like the sun is quite weak during the morning and the evening. We want to make sure that breakfast and dinner are light and easy to digest and smaller meals. On the other hand, our lunch should be our largest meal of the day, and it should be the most complex and difficult to digest because our digestion is the strongest at that point, the same as the sun. It's at its hottest point in the middle of the day. Now, let me make one more point. If you eat animal protein or really any kind of protein, even vegetarian proteins, you want to make sure that you have that in the middle of the day at lunch. In addition, if you're having any kind of raw vegetables or salads, those are, again, 
more difficult to digest. So again, try to have those in the middle of the day. You don't want to be having difficult to digest foods like raw vegetables and heavy proteins in the morning or the evening when your digestive fire is weaker and it has a harder time really handling those foods. Make sure you have those in the middle of the day at lunchtime. Now, as far as the exact timing, let's go through that. Breakfast should be anywhere from 6 to 8 a.m. Lunch should be anywhere from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. And dinner, most ideally, should be before 7 p.m., if at all possible. Which brings us to the last factor, which is what? what to eat. And this is what everybody always wants to know. It's like the first question I get at every lecture and every workshop that I do. So let's talk about the what. And I'm not going to give you a list. I'm actually going to teach you how to think about this. And again, I left this as the last factor because I really want to drive home the point that the other four factors, the why, the where, the when, and the how much are so much more important because you can be eliminating everything from the what, from your list of foods, and you still won't feel well. And actually, this is something I hear all the time from my students and my clients. Dr. Kumar saying, I've eliminated this and I've eliminated that and I'm not eating this and I've tried this and I still don't feel well. And that's because you're not thinking about the other four factors, the why, the where, the when, and the how much. Okay, so let's get to it. Let's get to the what. Now, the first thing to think about is what is in season. Seasonal eating is the most important thing to think about when you're considering what to eat. Again, nature is so much more intelligent than we are. So follow Mother Nature's lead. Whatever she's providing in the greatest quantity and the greatest abundance in a certain season, that's what you should be eating. In Ayurveda, balance is really important and Mother Nature knows exactly what to make at what time of the year to help us keep in balance and keep us healthy. So for example, Mother Nature will provide more vegetables and fruits that are higher in water content and higher in sugar in the summer because that helps us keep cool. It also helps to replenish any water that we're losing because of the heat. On the other hand, in the winter and in the fall, when it starts to get cooler, Mother Nature provides us with all kinds of root vegetables that have a bit of a heavier quality, more carbohydrates, more starches right? You get the idea. This helps us keep warmer and helps us maintain our heat inside our bodies. So you can see right there, those are just two small examples. But if you eat seasonally, you will be able to keep yourself in balance naturally. Now, here's a little pro tip because I get asked a lot, well, what is in season? Like, how do I know what is in season when? What you do is you go to the grocery store and pretty much the cheapest thing in the produce section, in the fruits and vegetable, that's what's usually in season. So for example, strawberries are a lot cheaper in the summer than they are in the winter. There's a reason for that. They're in season in the summer, not in the winter. So that's just a little pro tip for you. Another tip that I have for you is to really think about your past. You know, really embrace your history, embrace where you came from. Think about what your mother and your grandmother and your great-grandmother would make at different times of the year. What are the traditional recipes in your family? What do they make in the summer? What do they make in the winter? There are reasons that they made those things at certain times of the year because back in the day, those were the only things that were available. We were much more reliant on what Mother Nature provided because we couldn't have groceries flowing 
flown in from all over the world. So it was much more about seasonal and local produce in which you were actually eating what mother nature was providing. So again, your history, the recipes, your family traditions, those can give you a lot of clues about how to eat seasonally and make the recipes that people would make at different times of the year in your family. In addition, if you ask elders in your family about the different remedies that they would use, you'll get a lot of information there too, because they would use seasonal spices and plants and herbs to make different concoctions, different remedies and medicines to help with different seasonal issues. So again, ask the people in your family, ask your elders, get some information about this. There's a lot of medicine, a lot of knowledge that's steeped in those traditions. Now, the next thing to consider is really our experience of the food, and that will help us determine what to eat. Again, how food feels, how food tastes, and how food acts within us. So let's start with the way food feels. This is how you would describe it before you eat. And it's something that you sense even before you put it into your mouth. In Ayurveda, we describe the way food feels using the 20 qualities that I've already talked about in previous episodes. If you don't know what I'm talking about, you can go back to episode number five. Now, there are 20 qualities in Ayurveda in pairs of opposites, 10 opposites. And so this is the idea that you can describe the food before you eat it. It's something that you can sense even before you put the food into your mouth. So how does it feel? Is it heavy? Is it light? Is it cold? Is it hot? Is it sticky? Is it clear? Is it oily? Is it dry? Is it smooth? Is it rough? Right? You get the idea here. The second way that we experience food is the way that food tastes. Now, taste is the first impression that you get on your tongue when you put food into your mouth. In Ayurveda, there are six tastes, sweet, sour, salty, bitter, pungent, and astringent. Each of these tastes aligns with a specific element and therefore will cultivate those specific qualities. Now, this is a different way to think about food and our experience of food. Yes, we talk about how food tastes in Western culture, but it's a little bit different in Ayurveda. The sweet taste aligns with earth and water and primarily cultivates the qualities of sticky, heavy, cold, and stable. It creates feelings of pleasure and comfort. Now, one note here, sweet doesn't mean sugar. Think more of the natural sweetness that's inherent in grains and dairy, fruits and vegetables. The sour taste aligns with fire and primarily cultivates the qualities of hot, sharp, oily and mobile. It cleanses and energizes the body's tissues and it also stimulates the digestive fire, which makes it a great taste in a condiment or an appetizer. You'll recognize a sour taste because your mouth gets full of saliva and heat. Some sour foods are tomatoes, lemons, tart berries, most unripe fruits, yogurt, pickles, and fermented foods. The salty taste also aligns with fire and primarily cultivates the qualities of hot, sharp, oily, and mobile. It improves digestion and absorption because it lubricates and helps to clear obstructions in the digestive channels. Foods with salty taste are all types of salt, as well as sea vegetables such as nori, dulce, kombu, and tamari. 
The bitter taste aligns with air and primarily cultivates the qualities of cold, light, dry, and mobile. It's the taste that overrides the others and has a cleansing effect. It's not really a favorite of most people, including myself, but in small amounts, you might actually crave it. Bitter taste is present in coffee, of course, dark leafy greens, and spices such as fenugreek and turmeric. The pungent taste aligns with fire and primarily cultivates the qualities of hot, sharp, oily, and mobile. It excites the senses and gets things moving, thereby stimulating your digestion. Pungent foods are mostly spices, including garlic, ginger, mustard, and all kinds of pepper, as well as vegetables such as onions, radishes, and turnips. Makes sense. And finally, the astringent taste aligns with air and primarily cultivates the qualities of cold, light, dry, and mobile. It contracts the tissues and also creates a cleansing effect. Astringent foods make you like pucker, sucking the water out of your mouth. It's like that sour, puckery feeling that you get in your mouth. And it includes cruciferous vegetables like broccoli, cauliflower, cabbage, pomegranate, cranberries, apples, pears, green tea, red wine, and honey. So as you can see, the whole idea of the way that food tastes, it's much more complex from an Ayurvedic perspective. Again, the six tastes are sweet, sour, salty, bitter, pungent, and astringent. The third way that we experience food is the way that food acts. Now, this is the energy that is released after eating the food, and it's either heating or cooling. And to avoid confusion, we're going to focus on spices here. Spices that have the quality of hot are heating, stimulating, and building. They include all types of peppers, cinnamon, fenugreek, mustard, onions, garlic, ginger. You kind of get the idea here, right? Most of these things are naturally heating. We feel the heat from these spices. Now, the spices that have the quality of cold are cooling, calming, and breaking down. These include spices like coriander, fennel, cilantro, curry leaf, dill, mint, rose and rose petals, and vanilla. So to review, the way to think about what to eat is to number one, think about what's in season and what mother nature is providing because she's so much more intelligent than we are. And she will help to naturally balance the body based on the season. And then the second thing to think about is your experience of the food. And there are three ways that you need to think about this. The way that food feels or the qualities the way that food tastes, which are the six tastes, and then the way that food acts, either heating or cooling. Okay, so to review, the principle of Ayurvedic eating says that what you eat matters, but why, where, when, and how much matters so much more. My hope is that this back to basics episode on Ayurvedic diet as remedy and the principle of Ayurvedic eating will help you use food as medicine to catalyze your healing and support your health and well-being. If you found this helpful, please share it with others. And if you have any questions, reach out to me. I'd love to hear from you. Until next time, be well. Thanks again for listening to The Healing Catalyst. If you love what you heard, please hit follow and pass it along to a friend. And if you're feeling really inspired, please rate and review so that others can find this podcast more easily. To learn more, head to avantikumarsingh.com. And to connect with me directly, find me on Instagram at avantikumarsingh.
I'll be back next week and hope that you will be too. Until then, remember, with the right catalyst, you have the power to activate your own healing because healing starts within.